different levels of of um, experience. Um, you have the level which is more apparently socially conditioned, the identity or personality, which is um, you know, that which is formulated through the world, the social conditioning, and then the various senses of inauthenticity about that, falsehood, confusion, um, misapprehensions, uh, and then the way that, that, that aspect always is dependent upon a particular social condition, because that's what, that's what created it. So we find that even if that condition isn't present, we, we keep creating it. So we're conditioned by fear. Uh, you know, then when there isn't the agencies of fear around, we still come up with that. Um, so this, this level, um, this, the conditioned level, socially conditioned level, where there's still a lot of fear, mistrust, um, defensiveness uh, are very apparent in that particular layer. And then also uh, that the kind of irritation, exasperation, um, rage, resentment, jealousy, these kinds of things can occur there. Uh, and also in that, in that layer, the sense uh, we have of this is what is conditioned into us by society that, um, well, you know, you could make this work mm. <laughs> if you tried hard enough. You're just good, um, then, then it would be nice if you behaved and were good. Then this layer would be very nice for you. The problem is we're not doing it right. You know. So oh, okay, let's stick around a bit longer in this layer and try and get it right. You know. <laughs> and then, of course, it doesn't really get right. But it's still the, the carrot is still there, and the, the uh, sense comes up. Well, the problem is, it's well, we're not doing it right, you know, or maybe. Missed, missed it somehow, something wrong with you. So, and then we can get confusion, self blame, self criticism, and then occasionally lashing out at others uh, around this because the frustration of they're not giving me the goods that I need, they're annoying me, irritating me, and so on. Or I'm not good enough. So, this is a very painful, frustrating. Layer of experience, um, which is there, which is associated with sense contact, with skin, if you like. And so, when we come up to that level of our, our skinness, then we often come into these patterns of, um, you know, I've protected, defended, sealed off, or hurt, or confused, or needy, or whatever. So even when maybe the actually the external environment is no longer signaling those things, we can still detect them. Mm -hmm. So certainly in Sangha life, one's trying to really let one's skin know that you're all right here, all right here. But actually, the the messages tend to sink deeper into um, the experience of identity <coughs> rather than just personality. Personality, we might say, is the thing that we wear, and we're perhaps even conscious of it. You know, perhaps the way that you dress or tidy yourself up when you go to meet people or whatever is not 
you know, it, it's no, it's done. It's not inappropriate. Um, you know, it's not something hollow about it. It's what you do. Person is a useful thing. Um, identity is something that we feel slightly different. You know, it may be murky. It's not quite so. Um, it's not often that which is not so socially neat and tidy. It's still that very sense of I am, if you like, an identity, which is, you know, often not necessarily fitting into the personality. Doesn't actually have to fit into the personality. Um, it's not, we need to recognise it's not always necessary or appropriate to be, an, you know, to, to, to relate an identity level, because um, that's not what's what's in order. And yet we have to live with ourselves, or live with this experience of, of identity, the sense of I am, with its, yeah, and, and whatever it contains, it tends to contain this, uh, the, the trickle-down effect of uh, social conditioning. But internalized and um, held as myself, And often, in, in as it's internalised, it it curdles and becomes uh, very potent, very you know, strong. Um, but it gets all mixed up with other aspects. You know, something that is quite something have quite a reasonable personality, and yet have a very murky and brittle uh, sense of identity. And then beneath that, one might, one might say, for those people who, who managed to, to travel that way, there's a kind of open emptiness. Which we might say is, is something that's a tar- one of the targets, or a target for meditation. You know, open emptiness where there's no identity. Sometimes in, in having that in mind, we don't necessarily cross the terrain of identity that skillfully. We can kind of leapfrog across it, or, well, this is just, just all personality stuff. Well, you know, so what? And, uh, you know, get back to the practice. Or we can get bogged down there, stuck in it, don't know how to, to move across it. It becomes so glutinous and uh, tortuous that one can't actually find a pathway through that. So I think, well, I can't meditate, I can't practice because this, you know, I should be in this nice clear open state. Instead, this is kind of murky, foggy, twisting bit happening. Um, you know, failure, I can't do it. So I think it's important to put um, the, the domain of identity very much on, on the agenda of spiritual practice. Because it's there. And yeah, certainly we might think that big picture, you know, maybe to find that open emptiness beyond that. But the actualities of it, most of us are able to get in there at certain times if not for a lot of the time and just uh, feeling oh this is wrong or bad or pointless doesn't actually help one to, to 
to to move across it any quicker. And trying to leapfrog out of it doesn't necessarily do the do the trick. And it can be the case also that if we if we are managed to to leapfrog um, quite skillfully, um, then we can find in daily life we we have to be in that territory again. So you know, having been absolutely unconditionally empty and openly free, you know, as soon as we do the washing up, we become flabby, nasty, suspicious, mistrustful again. <laughs> fearfully defensive. <laughs> I don't think it's our well, this person it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but uh, it becomes a, it does, it obviously it causes stress and suffering for others and um, then later for oneself. So these three three layers, if you like, three basic layers. So one of the reflections on emptying is to enter into the domain of identity the chitta area and empty that which means first of all acknowledging you know that the afflictions there entering into them in their specific presence as they are with no regret and with that, which enables us to do that. So instead of touching into something that then explodes and goes all over the place, or touching into something that, that throws us, we're able to touch into something in a way we're able to hold it, which is the specific presence of fear, which is the specific presence of distrust, which is the specific presence of um, rage, for example. Some of these things can be, of course, extremely potent, difficult to be with. So it's certainly you know, not an easy area. And yet, I'd like to consider that much of our Dhamma practice is about building up the understanding, you know, understanding the confidence. You know, this is this is this. It's not other than this. It's not permanent absolute self even though it sometimes seems that way um, the understanding uh, the right view this is cause conditioned uh, the nature to arise or cease and then also the the upaya the skillful means the compassion the mindfulness the uh, effort the collectiveness to be able to hold so that we, we can drain some of these um, um, afflictions or allow them to drain. Because I think once we're very aware when we're entering into this realm of identity that you can't drain identity from an identity position. So I am cannot do this. <laughs> you know. And so personality is not a chance, not a hope in hell. Personality is not going to do it. So just being a nice guy is not going to do it. Nice guys, they they they, they don't get past the borderline. You know, so you're into the area where there's no nice guys anymore. Um, <laughs> if you are, uh, so they don't get in at all. And in the identity, you can't drain an identity with an identity. Linguistically, I think this is clear, isn't it? So it's like, you know. 
So all the those identity uh, experiences, identity is that which attempts to, to make cohesive and whole and um, coherent, manageable, and generally, I would say, not necessarily pleasant, at least stable and agreeable. Stable and agreeable, you know, coherent, cohesive. So this is all what identity is about. You know. I want to be able to, to constellate in a, in a kind of manageable pattern around me. And uh, so, well, this is, you know, so we may have particular strategies that do that. One is the fix it strategy, of course. I'm going to fix it, sort it out. One is the, uh, well, just forget about it. Shut it down, forget about it. One is maybe occupy oneself with something else. Is deflect. Deflect, deny, um, or um, construct something. So these one would say were um, things where particular identity um, activities occur. And that's maybe occurring quite a lot of the time for us. You know, we come into a, a new place and there's all sorts of things start to shift in us. Kind of something we don't know. Look at me, look at her, think, right, right, well, now I know where I am. You know, that may take a few days or so. Coming out of being in solitude, you know, where, and then you come into the group again, even though there are people technically on a personality level you know, on an identity level, it's a different, different domain. You know. This identity, even though it, it's it's constructed, is much more um, inwardly held and uh, amorphous and momentary. Coming in momentary experiences, so we're coming to a group of people who actually know, theoretically, personality-wise, quite well, and yet feel quite um, you know, nervous, alarmed, or whatever. So. In a sense, it takes a while for them to shut them down again. Identity is the rabbit. Twitches, muscles twitch, whiskers. Because <laughs> this is the level of, of fight, flight, and so on. So it, its instinct is to is to find cohesiveness, to find, to find that which is agreeable with the whole body. It's a whole sense thing, so there's a bodily sense to it. Personality often doesn't have a body with it, apart from the obvious external um, appearance of that. Internal, the identity has more the internal experience of body, which one, one feels, say, I feel comfortable, I feel settled, I feel relaxed. You know, I feel I've got a place here. And those are the legitimate um, expressions of identity. Of course, you've got a place here. You're sitting there. You've got a place here. What are you talking about? Are you, oh, you're there. Yeah, but I don't feel I'm here. What are you talking about? You know, on the external level, yeah, one is there. But internally, one hasn't actually found one's space, one's sense of, yes, I'm really here with this. You know, I still feel quite nervous or unwanted or unwelcomed. Um, so... These are the kind of things that happen. You know. uh, so we, that's, that's the area of it, of, of identity territory. So. And if, we, if we're uh, aware, 
then we realize you can't just fix this from an external level or from an identity level. You have to sit in it. You know, feel your way into, you know, letting that, like the subtle body, uh, the whole, which has a whole sense of an emotional tone, a tonality to it, um, begin to become coherent and cohesive. So, you know, oh yeah, now I am here. Now, when you know, so there's, I've often talked about this establishing a tonality and, and you know, as an emotional or emotive sense, a mental sense, a tonality of say, I am worthy, I'm okay, you know, I know what, which isn't an absolute statement of of selfhood. It's more like a, a tone I can attune to. There is that in me which is goodness. There is that in me which yes, yes, I, yes. Yes, I, I do good things. You know, is that I, I appreciate. I want to do good. Um, I, I am okay here. I have taken refuge. These are people who, you know, do not deliberately intend uh, harm to me. It's actually, fairly obvious things, but really getting the tone of that and settling into that. I have taken refuge in the Dhamma. I am worthy of this. Really getting that tone, tone there. That tonality is very much where identity is about. If we don't establish that, then we don't really have any way into this territory at all. So one practices from a personality level, trying to attain the totally impersonal. So you get this kind of um, willful, all the willful uh, and instant and personality strategized attitudes about spiritual practice and meditation. Show me how to do it. I'm going to do it now. I've got it. You know this kind of thing, and no real integration of the, of the wholeness of of the identity in that. There's not maybe not reference to tone. Um, is not a reference to a whole wholeness of effect, the bodily effect, the speech effect, the thought effect, you know, the, the whole of the um, all the conditioned aspects of being. Yeah. Uh, but if we bear a sense of tonality in mind, it, it, it keeps us in this aware of where identity is continually being uh, established, created or, or, or crystallizing. And you recognize that's a very skillful area to be at because then you can know that thing I just said, that, that was out. You know, even though technically it was true, it was all sort of twisted. Ooh, what was that about? You know, because you, know, you can use the tonality of what one says or thinks, that particular thought. Ooh, that was a stinker, wasn't it? You know, a bit of a jab on that one. Um, that, wasn't, that wasn't really in tune either. Uh, this bodily movement wasn't really in tune. It's kind of frantic or slouching, or it wasn't there. Yeah. So, all right, now let's you know, come back. What's happening here? So, just being able to check a speech, thought, even thought definitely affects that. You know, come up with a list of really quite reasonable, statistically provable, logical thoughts 
this and that, and then he said this, and then she said that, da 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 therefore. Yeah, true, but oof. Tonally, you know, you just hit a real bum note there, you know. And uh, one can say, well, yeah, well, that's true, because it's the way it actually is. But, it's, you know, it may be the way it is externally, but how come it's the way it's become, how it is internally? So well, here's the bitterness, or the hurt, or the sadness, or the grief, or the disappointment, or the feeling of having been let down. And it's there, in our identity experience. And, you know, it, it, it gets stored there. And so we begin to recognize that, you know, particularly as you're contacting experiences, that all the, the we parker, all the inherited experiences of having been let down, having been pushed around, having been not listened to, so da, 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 da. over years you've got all this stuff in there and then it's still not really emptied or resolved. New things come in and they touch these areas and the whole thing extremely flares again. So one's looking to clean out the vipaka, you know, the inherited or the resultant karma from this subtle level, this identity level, which has got uh, so that one doesn't actually keep recreating new karma in line with that, or seeing and conceiving the world in those ways. Hmm. So, you know, at that level, I'm noticing, you know, some aspects of identity which is not, for me, well, which is not kind of total unwavering thing, but there's aspects of it where. Um, you know, people in the world seem to be a very loving, joyful, interesting place. Some places where it seemed to be an incredibly poignant place, a place where one feels a tremendous wish to help, be part of. Another place where it feels like a place of incredible bleakness and betrayal. And any of those um, experience tonalities, as they arise, can bring with them all the statistics and all the teachings, <laughs> even, and all the quotations. Fitted. <laughs> 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 you look in the suttas, you know, which bits do you want to look at? You know, what here said, you know, you know, waste of time, get out here bitter. Who said, oh, it's a loving kindness coming out of me too. So you can find different ways to support it. Uh, important thing is, what do you, you know, what do you want to live with? Uh, where's the ending of suffering? And where's the inheritance? whereby that thing just happens. It's not something you have any real clear say over. It just starts to judder in and then you, the stuff is going again. And some of this can be very, very powerful to, to where it's obviously not anything that's happening in the present moment. It's just for no reason or just kind of tremendous fear is one thing. Just fearfulness. Um, uh, rage is another thing. Uh, grief is another thing. These, these things particularly I've noted over time. You know, people are just going to really bottomless grief, um, rage, fear. You know. And this is all in, in this identity experience, identity level. My practice is, is for draining, for freeing this. They can't be done from a personality point of view. Can't be done from the conventional 
you know, identity, the way that we normally strategize. Um, but it can be done uh, through a mixture of both form and emptiness. And when one says those words in that particular way, one is reminded of the Heart Sutra, form is emptiness, emptiness is form. And, uh, you know, whatever can be speculated or contemplated out of that. But I would like to suggest that, that one way of considering this is to recognize that we can have uh, particular forms internalized that are clearly not not identified with, not my own, not me, you know, not held as an identity, and yet occupy that territory. Can take can actually camp in that area, uh, and uh, by doing so, provide one with the kind of internal structures in that particular area which hold awareness, dharma, in that particular area. To get specific, I would say things like taking, you know, summon a life, um, devotional practices. Um, much of our conventional behavior is actually aimed not at being a nice person or having everybody like me or fitting in and not getting blamed and punished by others, but actually at, at placing into that identity, territory, certain things such as uh, mindfulness, clarity, uh, simplicity of needs, conscientiousness, uh, uh, real recognition of actual specific here and now effects one's having on, on others. So the, the, the whiskers are out. At this time they're recognizing not what's happening to me, you know, what's happening to me, but how am I affected? happening to somebody else. So community life, um, a lot of our training is really um, aimed at establishing in the identity territory certain uh, senses, certain felt meanings. The identity experience, identity level is the area of felt meaning. And we may find that that quite a bit of our felt meanings can be occupied by things like I am pathetic. Um, I am a, I am a person who has who has huge absences and needs all kinds of things. I am a person who is incapable, weak, impotent. You know. I'm a person who is um, vulnerable, attackable, and uh, is about to be. <laughs> These kinds of things can be in there. Felt meaning. So we're trying to put in that area, not to just shunt all this stuff out, to put in that area of felt meaning um, things uh, things like uh, an upright, an upright being, mm. sense of, of uprightness, sense of uh, loving kindness, sense of um, grace, dignity, beauty in this area. And this is what a lot of our conventional behavior is, help, is trying to induce. So, Remember in training that that is not a personality issue. 
So it's not just clipping stuff on the outside, like putting on the makeup, and the wig, and the um, cosmetics, but something that one should approach really opening oneself into that, into the felt meaning of these things. Because otherwise it always becomes a personality level whereby you basically the boss wants me to do this. I'll do this, I won't get sacked. The big guy wants me to do this, I'll do this, he won't beat me up. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll win friends this way, you know, which is what the personality is about. I'll get promoted. And even though one isn't thinking those things, those particular felt meanings can still be there, the system. And so they just tend to stimulate the same curdled responses in the identity of feeling, you know, somebody's got to obey because I'm basically flawed and hopeless. You know, know, I'm someone who has to live in a state of fear and objection. I'm someone who lacks any creativity or intelligence or potentiality. So I'm also sterile. I'm sterile, ineffective, and <laughs> so <laughs> But that's all right, because this is just identity stuff anyway, so who cares, you know. <laughs> just get into the void, you know. So, but then if we, you know, the idea of getting into the void is really just a kind of an anesthetic from this experience, you know, which people will certainly one can realise there are very good reasons for one to seek this anaesthetic. Wipe me out, please. Um, complete cessation of all awareness altogether. That's what I'm looking for. And I want to be aware of this kind of tremendously seething material under my skin. I don't see this as really um, doable, or skillful, worthwhile beautiful, noble, uplifting, anything to do with an eightfold path. In some of the later Mahayana schools, they developed these... um, Three bodies experience, which actually does fit in rather neatly with this. Uh, it's called the ni- referring basically to the Buddha, but but also um, as a as a reference to what uh, to these three areas of territory: the Nimanakaya, which is the obvious outward manifestation; the Dhammakaya, which is the kind of absolute, ultimate, unconditioned void, you know, devoid of all formation. And a Samborgakaya, which is this middle area, which is the area of, of what we say, dharmic manifestation. And interesting enough, it also means the enjoyment body. So it's the where where the uh, you know the dharma is held as 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 a, a continual unfolding poem or song or dance. Mm. You know, it's it's empty, and yet. Um, you know, it's not an ultimate truth in itself, and yet, you know, at this level, this is the beauty of what's manifest, what what can manifest, and we can we can allow that because it's not being held as this is what I am. You know, 
or something that has to be made into a monument. It can be momentary. Uh, But because of the delight and the unstoppable quality of this, um, the delight of it, uh, it is very healing and joyful. It helps to to heal these these seared and um, scorched places in, in the identity domain. Help meaning. Help meaning. And in a monastery, particularly in a you know, retreat centre, one has the opportunity to really feel the, feel the meaning of much of what we actually do. Feel the meaning of, of bowing to Buddha. Feel the meaning of receiving alms food. Feel the meaning of uh, you know, being a group of people. Uh, who have similar aims and probably you know similar pains, um, and yet also tremendously distinct. You know, what we share is our uniqueness in a way. You know, no two people alike. So you couldn't really ever become normal. Which is nice, isn't it? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you for being weird, you know. There's no because there are no normal people. <laughs> oh, you can actually. That's nice. It's a refuge, isn't it? Where you can imagine because people are wearing similar sorts of robes, instead of shaving their heads and things in routine ways. The idea is that everybody kind of come the same. But when you live in a group of people, you realise. This is not the case at all, and any attempt to make it this, this way will produce nothing but sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. Yeah. And this is not because people are deliberately here to become hugely massive egos, but through the process of actually stripping away the personality, which tends to be something that seeks to be normalized so we can fit in with everybody else. You know? And so we may even come with that idea. And yet when we come to something beneath the personality, the identity does not fit in. You know. But it can it can play, you know, just like if you're dancing in a pair and the two of you both try to do the same step, it would be a disaster. You have to do steps that correspond, you have to dance together, don't you? Those old Actually, I haven't done any dancing for years. But, <laughs> but okay, think of something else. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> you can figure it out. But all our, all our individualities can actually, you know, can learn how to bring forth the qualities that we can share together, say the, the letting go, the, uh, the brightness, the kindness, the compassion, the um, lifting up, you know. 
something in me think, oh, well, I thought, no, let's lift up. You know, I want to lift up. Not because somebody else wants me to, but I, I like that tone. I like that sense of you know, lifting up. It feels good for me. I feel whole there. And so, you know, we may be lifting up in different places and in different times, and yet somehow recognizing that and honoring that in ourselves and others. Trying to, um, you know, so one in ways is emptying out in, in not a dismissive way, but in a skillful way, particular afflictions and kinks and snags in the system. Using like the very names we have for our uh, Sambhogakaya. Mm-hmm. You name is like you know, blissful joy or something like that. You know, it's, 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 you feel like it's three in the morning. Say hello, blissful joy. <laughs> hello, unwavering patience. Kind <laughs> 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 of grumpy old dog. <laughs> You know, you'd be like Anagarika, you know, one who has, has, has left behind these, you know, homes and now all our personality territory, you know, a renunciate. These are, these are, these are skillful pointers. Not, as I say, not as personalities, but as things that we can recognize the tonality of that and then, you know, how do I stay with that particular and that we all have different names and yet they're all really um, they're all different ways of describing the same the same place, the same area you know, so we can be distinctive and yet share the same area And yet, it's all empty, of course. You know, it's not self. It's um, insubstantial. So we could say it's, it's the relative emptiness rather than absolute emptiness. Because it still manifests, but it's something where it's empty or emptying from greed, from hatred, from delusion, from proliferation, from views, from craving, from fear, mistrust, doubt. And it's like you have to, in a way, enter that territory and reformulate, allow that territory to be reformulated under the practice and the Dhamma Vinaya. It's not something you can really do directly. You do by allowing yourself and entering into this area, into the Dhamma Vinaya, letting it work on you. Do the rewiring. Because in a way, that's really necessary to cross this terrain. And also that in this place is where you know, you get the, the whole body can feel it, your physical form can feel it, your somatic sense can feel bright, ample, you've got enough space. It's not frightened, it's not tense, it's not driven, it's not um, 
vacu- doesn't have vacuity in it. It's rich. So that gives you tremendous um, resource for mindfulness, samadhi, and for in way. So this area acts instead of being kind of bog that you've got to somehow either jump over or weave your way through. It can become um, something that actually helps to propel you or take you towards um, the absolute emptiness. So there's a sense of an embodiment quality to that, and the verbal and the thought quality to that. One's thinking becomes straightened or clear, or it doesn't cause bitter sparks to keep dropping down into the heart, or bitter residues to be left, or hurt residues to be left. So you don't have to continue to keep sweeping the thing out again. And um, one's uh, emotive tone can be that which is sort of steady and benevolent. So that it's not really kind of flying up, sinking down. So not when this is this these in these three areas, body, roughly it's body, <coughs> speech and heart <coughs> become purified, then they have tremendous resort to, to, to carry us. <coughs> and in the interim, you know, we're recognizing through to having that even in in part, you know, have areas of bits and we're really quite good shape you now, you know. So that the good bits, the healthy bits, are the bits that, are, you know, when the diseases and the afflictions come up, you know, okay, is that, you know, without denying that, you can actually come to the healthy bit, bodily, emotionally, conceptually, and get that to hold the unhealthy bits, like connecting the two. <coughs> we might say, <coughs> you know, listening to the mind with its or its kind of squalls or storms or whatever it's going through, and then you know, okay, that. Now there's also something even in that, you know, which I notice in myself and in others. Something that perhaps doesn't can't speak at first, but something stays, something perseveres through that, something is there through all that. And then so that when that storm passes away, there's a recognition of, all right, it's passed, now I'm here. So some bit of identity, or something actually is able to remain intact, even though it doesn't necessarily manifest. And as one becomes more Experience gradually that 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 quality can manifest a little more. So it becomes maybe something like a a loving voice or a loving tone, or a a wise tone, or a, a something straight and firm. When we're going into the kind of confusions of doubt or grief or whatever, thing, you're all right. You're all right. You know, it doesn't necessarily come into thinking. It may be just a mood, something that says, "Here I'm going nuts." fine, you know, it's all right. And you think, well, this is crazy, how come on, it's all right? But it is all right. It's just like that. Uh, so, these, this, so really that's, that's the resource. It's not that we shouldn't have these upsetting, difficult experiences, but that, you know, because you have to have them. Right, so, we're actually late. Congratulations, you've probably got plenty of stuff there. 
but to recognize and enhance the resources that make that you don't just keep getting into these areas and bogging down deeper and deeper and making the sense of I am even more firmly entrenched in the afflicted states making it seemingly even more impossible to to dig out because if you enter these areas when with with um, no skill at all then it like everyone gets entrenched like the tractor when it gets stuck down in the in the mud and the wheels start turning it's turning like crazy you rev the engine turning like crazy wheels just dig deeper and deeper and deeper you have to have something you know somebody puts a log in or something like that and it helps you to give it a little bit of bite to haul out. So, you know, one doesn't have to have that resource to recognize where that is, in, and it can be through something that's purely internalized, or it could be something that's catalyzed by external things. A shrine, for example. Uh, a good friend, for example. Um, a place, stupa, uh, an activity one does, uh, chanting, working, serving, you know. So these then become actually aspects of our sambhogakaya, of our, of our dharma body, of our enjoyment body. They're not you know, things that are done from personality level, but they're part of our, of our um, enjoyment body, you know, that, that level of it. And the essential thing is that, that in, when you touch into those, when you, you have to actually fully, you can't just think it, you know, thinking it's better than nothing, but ideally you just put, or you get the whole sense of that, you, you physically do it, you know, you, like you physically chant, you know, your whole body's there with it, not just hugging your head, blah, 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 but you really are there with it, in a whole sense. Um, then you get the tonality. If you do it from your head, it's just, I'm supposed to do this, I've got to do it, okay, I'm doing it, fine. You know, good day. That's it. You don't get the tone, you just get into the I shoulds, and it's supposed to be, and that's the way it is here. So, that thing is lost. The purpose of it is lost. So obedience is not enough. It's, it's um, I would say it's actually, obedience is, is, in some ways, a harmful habit to get into. Whiskey thing to say, isn't it? Because <laughs> 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 it can actually just go to the personality level, it then breeds resentment. And as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to do what I like, you know, feeling. <laughs> and then rebelliousness and or or abjectness, you know. I'm now a doormat, and now I'm a venerable doormat. <laughs> and that's where you're supposed to be, to be a really good, really good doormat. So that becomes sanctified. And then, so the whole process of, of damage goes deeper and deeper, and perhaps becomes more inaccessible, and then it becomes even more kind of curdling and, and resentful and, and disempowering.
I don't say disobedience is such a great thing either. Um, but what I was looking, you know, trying to find a way is of, <laughs> of um, you know, embodiment, presence. Saying, that, well, okay, this is what, you know, what's happening now, now, you know, I could, I could just go, okay, I'll go along with it, fine. Or I think, oh, I don't mind, like is it, you know, you know. Okay, what's that feel like? Yeah, what do I need to do? Be with that. And sometimes it's just a matter of kind of taking a m- little while or a little bit of greater space for suddenly, ah, oh, and I'll do that thing in order to to get a better handle on this you know, resistance or difficulty or fear that's going on. And sometimes, you know, people giving Dhamma talks, for example, you know, know, because you're supposed to, which isn't quite right, because you end up then spreading that whole tone over the entire group of people you're talking to who feel that tone. Mm, Bored. You know, because somebody's just doing what you're supposed to. Bored. Or being preached at. But then maybe you think, I feel the fear, the inadequacy, I don't know what to do. Okay. Breathe in and breathe out. Yeah. Now, once, need, once I get that sense of I have concern, loving kindness for these people, you know, um, I would like to be helpful. Oh, there's the tone. Now, if I can stay in that tone and trust that and realize that whatever's said from that place, whatever said, that tone will come across. And people receive that tone. It's actually, oh, it's very nice. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, I'm actually touching the air of self-consciousness, fear, inadequacy, and, and draining it. So I think this is an interesting way of, of developing manifestation as a uh, or form if you like as a way of, of emptying so form is of course empty but then form is also something that empties us of this uh, these congestions so meditating and and um, you know, getting up in the morning and things like that. As I wake up in the morning, I thought, oh God, oh no. Oh, oh no, it's not really, oh, oh. You know, I think I'm having a sign written on the ceiling saying, it's not that bad. So <laughs> 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 I look up there. You know, sometimes it doesn't feel very good as I did at all there. There's always like, oh, a feeling of, what is that feeling? Like, what is that sense of, oh no. Oh. Interesting. I think I need to sit up in order to get a better perspective on that. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I think maybe need to go and get to the shrine because I can really get around that feeling of not wanting to do this and can't do it. Or I mean, oh, it seems to be shifting. Oh, rather than you know, snap out of it, pull it together, jump up, get on. You know, here we go. Buddha Dhamma Sangha, yay, kind of thing. <laughs> but. You know, what can I do to get a handle on my sense of, you know, 
pointlessness and, and flatness and dreariness. You know. Uh, so interesting enough, this I find this, this form for me evolves out of what is necessary to, to empty, empty these residues. I don't personally, I don't understand. Don't even not particularly interested in understanding them. Mm-hmm. Understanding comes that's fine, but just no, noticing this vipaka, being me or being born or whatever it is, and oof, there it is. Um, not not on territory that I wish to. It's not skillful, helpful, beautiful. Um, yeah, and realizing, having I, there's a way out of that, and the form kind of evolves out of that. Which when is this little bit of the whole picture of suffering? Just this little bit, this little piece of the jigsaw. How does that, you know, get? Displaced, so there's emptiness there. And using these particular forms for that, particularly um, emphasizing that you can really be embody it, not just conceptually. You know, it's um, I can recognize you know the amount of um, books and words and ideas that can explain all this, and yet to really live it out body live it out walk it out um, is is the true meaning of that but it's just uh, talked about then it can so often just be left on the level of what I as a person do t- to other people as you know where's that go but really feeling in one's own body. So this very body becomes a, a refuge place uh, for for the Dhamma.